Jack Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to season five of the four jack podcast now as always available wherever you stream your content a massive thank you to everyone that continues to support and share in our success season five stays true to our promise of utilizing this platform to share the untold stories and amazing achievements of how golf truly impacts connects and is celebrated by many wishing everyone the very best in 2023 and before we get into it with tonight's special guest we're going to head down to warmer climates to check in with the director Elaine, what's happening in SoCal today? Uh, well, as we near the holiday, uh, good stuff here. I'd like to give a uh, a little Four Jack podcast shout out to Kevin Wong, who's the retail manager and first assistant at the club for winning the Southern California Merchandiser of the Year. So congrats to Kevin, who we all affectionately love as Panda. So it was a good thing. I got the whole team together and took everybody to the awards dinner, and it was nice. It was nice. We got some nice photos and it's one of those team building things, right? It's very important to have a soft, good sell and, and to be a director of golf or a head golf professional and run a, an operation like we do, which is almost a million a year in shop sales. You really do have to have the best of teams. So happy to kind of shout those guys out on this one. And again, kind of staying with the golf theme on the podcast here for the uh, the season five. We've got another amazing guest and not sure how we got him, but we better get him before he gets away. <laughs> we got lucky with this one. And he actually was a uh, former PGMT brethren. So without further ado, the four Jack podcast is extremely excited to have a very special guest on this evening, a man whose story is very unique and deserves to be celebrated. As I mentioned, he's a PGA brethren operations officer and host of downrange podcasts, part of the no laying up crew. Please welcome to the show. Mr. Cody. McBride. Thank you, guys. It's an amazing introduction. I don't even know really what to say after that. Besides, thank you for having me on. I, uh, I've, as I told Parksy, I'm a longtime listener. So not just through like the doldrums of COVID and everything like that, but I listen to this podcast. So I appreciate everything you guys do. There you go, man. I'm gonna throw the applause on one more time. Just say 291 guests later, we finally have someone that listens. Parksy. <laughs> and uh, you got the Zell transfer for that little plug at the start of the show. So make sure you paid for that in advance. That's awesome. Cody, what's going on with you, man? You said you were out in, in California, south of LA for a little bit, playing some golf. World's good. Things are good. Life's good. Yeah, you know, it's a busy time of year for us. I think everybody who's in the golf industry, unless you're in a very nice, warm climate like uh, like D'Lo is, I mean, we're just kind of trying to turn it down. And us at No Laying Up, you know, we run full throttle basically all year long. And really, like, we have our year-end members tournament at the beginning of November. And then we turn in on the operations side, you know, that's really all about trying to get contracts dialed for the next year, make sure sponsors and partners are happy and that, that you know, everybody's going to get paid and, and good to go. So we've been busting that for the last couple of weeks and excited to finally turn it down for the holidays and, and just kind of chill and relax, which I don't know why it works out this way. Like this is the worst time of year to do it because there's nothing like, I mean, I guess I'm a, I'm just south of Dallas. I could go outside and play golf, but it's not like pristine golfing weather by any means. Yeah, it's cold. We had Shane, Shane Bacon on the pod the other day, and he said there's like a threshold where he uh, he turns it off at. But I guess down down where you are, I mean, it's kind of malleable all year long, right? Yeah, it is. You know, I've I've lived here for only about three months now, and I was in out in North Carolina in Pinehurst for like 15 years prior to that. Yeah, never heard and of that place. Do. Is it nice up there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little nice if you're looking for a place to golf. 
But what I would say is that we moved out here primarily because of family. And my wife's from Texas. I wanted to get, you know, us and our kids back around their cousins and everything else like that and grow up and actually have this a family unit that everybody kind of strives for where you're not having to pay for extra airplane tickets and stuff. And mom and dad just want to go out of town for the weekend. So we got it hooked up here. But man, the weather is not as advertised so far. <laughs> One day it's like, you know, low thirties as the high, the next day it could be back in the seventies. And the third day we got tornado warnings and like, you know, kids are waking up at four in the morning because alarms and everything are going off. It's been crazy. So really just looking for the opportunity to settle in. Yeah. It's going to take some time. Three months is, isn't, you haven't even like you've dipped a toe in the pool so far. So hopefully. And by, and by the way, we have a rule that anytime pine nurses mention Ben Bridgers has to get a shout out. One of the uh, <laughs> greatest human beings in golf. So every time I hear pine nurse, I always think of exactly what you're saying and you know, that part of it, but there aren't many people in the world that do it better than Ben. So that's always something that I love to, to push. Cause that's a good dude there. No, absolutely. He's one of the best for sure. And if you're looking for prime examples of like, what a PGA of America professional should look like. Ben is standing right there. And it, it's funny when you look at it and I think I've just been spoiled where I'm at now. This is definitely, you know, ending up and no laying up is not the life and, and how it plotted along the way. Uh, but no, knowing those guys is like a local and then kind of moving to the other side of it when you're, you know, you're, you become partners and you're doing deals with them and everything else like that. That's like all the same. And Everything that they have going on there, it's incredible. Sounds like somebody else I know, Derek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it, you know, it, you, you've got to do those things, right? And we always talked about it when I was at the quarry forever. <clears throat> you're on a top 100 golf course, but your only answer is no, right? Like, no, can't play. Unfortunately, no. So it gets tough in the summer when I want to go play around when we're not in season and everybody can't wait to tell me no. Because I said no for 15 years, right? So shit, I say yes to everything now just because it's fun not to have to say no all the time. But if you don't give it to your friends and those that you love, then what the hell are you doing? I'm lucky enough to be at a club that's really cool about that stuff. And we we are really in a great spot. So I get it. But Benny just, you know, and also part of the Big Loud family with Paul and Austin and all those guys. So it's just kind of always comes back down to Big Loud here. But we try not to always piss Paul off because we've been very kind in the first couple in season five. We haven't ripped Paul Logan yet. So we'll get there. Soon. It's coming. It's coming. Cody, let's talk about being with that knucklehead group, no laying up. And that whole sort of ecosystem of people and, and passion and psychopaths and whatever else you want to call them. Let's talk about all of that fun stuff you're doing. Yeah, it's a blast. I, like I said, it, this is definitely not where my course was charting out to end up at. But I, if you take a look back, I, I'd say I kind of did a little bit of the groundwork to end up here. I mean, I grew up idolizing the the local pros in my club. I just kind of like you guys, I grew up in a cold weather temp spot in Northern Montana. And I think I probably spent uh, more time playing in Southern Alberta than I did anywhere else outside of like the high line of Montana. And, you know, my, my golf pro and his assistants were kind of everything to me. It was my escape as a kid is something, you know, everybody says this, but it's the best babysitting my mom and dad could have ever made. And uh, when I started to look at what I was going to do after high school and look at college, I, quickly realized like I would love to be in the golf business. So quickly, you know, got accepted, went down South, became a PGM brat down at Arizona state and did the best that I could, uh, best that I could honestly, until 
uh, I would say like Tempe catches up with people. You have to be prepared for that. And that's kind of what happened to me. You know, I did a couple internships. I worked uh, outside service at Greyhawk down there in Scottsdale and then was at another private club over on the western side of the city and and was continuing with school and got halfway through my junior year. And I had this long lineage of military service in my family. And uh, I always knew that eventually that was kind of, you know, going to be at the forefront of a decision that I was going to make in my life. And, and really it came uh, right when the first kind of roadblock came up in college and I quickly pivoted and said, Hey, if I'm going to do it now, before I have to discover what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, let's, let's go give this thing a shot, which seems weird and crazy to a lot of people. But what started as a little three and a half year commitment to the, to the U S army turned into about 16 and a half years <laughs> and landed me, uh, you know, in a spot in Pinehurst, a, a lot of people don't realize this, but Fort Bragg, that's where the home of U.S. Special Operations Command is at, is right next door. And when I first moved there or was stationed there, I really had no clue that that's the actual Pinehurst, North Carolina. And, you know, when you're not training to deploy or deployed, you're usually at home twiddling your thumbs trying to figure out what to do. And golf quickly jumped back in my life. And through that, was able to meet the guys and slowly over time formed a relationship with them. And now I, I think you, you said it right. I was, I would say I assist in our day-to-day uh, -day operations. There's kind of a, uh, uh, we look at everything kind of as a funnel, right? Not just a content funnel of everything that we put out, but um, deals and partnerships and everything else. And we got great people helping us out uh, trying to bring some more, um, partners to us and and decide what's best content offerings and and things for them uh and i kind of put the groundwork together with the with the team and execute it so it's operations 101 same thing i did in the military just a little bit different when you're talking in the golf world i think you've like really summarized this too simply for us and we're gonna have to you know, put the <laughs> scalpel out and make some incisions here i want to start with the lineage you referenced so for myself in canada military isn't as dominant of a conversation around the, the dinner table typically and and it's not a huge huge part of community at least the community that i grew up in and a lot of my friends grew up in so talk to me about what it was like to come from that sort of military background and how relevant was that always sort of part of the conversation yeah i think it was, it was definitely ingrained in our life and not the over you know beating beating it in your brain kids wearing camouflage, you know, kind of what, what the, the word patriot has kind of turned into in current day, which drives me absolutely insane because I think there's a couple other million, you know, brave men and women out there that serve their country with pride and, and don't really, you know, absolutely hate what it's turned into. But for me, what that means is that, you know, uh, I grew up on a, a small cattle farm in Northern Montana. And my great grandfather served his country because that's what his country needed him to do. And he served in World War II. And my grandfather was uh, caught the tail end of the Korean War and liked the military so much that he stayed in till the beginning of Vietnam. And um, my dad, he's a little bit older than my mom. And my dad was a draftee in Vietnam and, you know, did his time and then liked it and stayed a little bit longer. And then uh, I think, you know, modern day when I was growing up 
I, it kind of was a, a thought of, you know, if you don't know what you're going to do after high school, the military is always there. It'll train you. It'll send you all over the world. Um, and it kind of looked like a, a less than thing, kind of like a, what we would call like a trade school. So if you're going to be a, a carpenter or a welder, you know, something like that. And, and I, it really honestly drove me insane that that's kind of how it was looked at because I, I like it's the ultimate sacrifice. People who volunteer for the military to serve their country, they're, they're literally putting their life on the line uh, for others, for their country, for their states, for their community, whatever you want to say it, and really amplified by 9-11 for us. And, and everybody in America remembers the feeling and, and what was going on in September 11th, 2001. And it just so happened that at the time, my oldest brother was about a year and a half into his enlistment into the U.S. Army. And I really didn't know uh, what that meant. I thought that he was going to war like the very next day. And I think watching everything on TV and confusion and everything else like that and and hearing of you know invasion plans and all this craziness you're like what in the world actually is going on and uh, you know in 2001 he had a cell phone i think i still had like the first gen like nokia phone i was in high school but yeah not even a <laughs> not even a flip phone oh, no. i think it was this like old school nokia 990 or whatever it was you couldn't even text um <laughs> throwback the, yeah, the only reason why I'm sure I had it is because we lived a little bit out of town. And when you're driving on, you know, ro gravel roads trying to get back home from from high school and there's drifts and everything all over the place, mom and dad wanted to know if you wrecked somewhere or hit a deer. So I'm sure that's how I ended up with it. But he quickly called and kind of gave us the update of what's going on and then said, hey, you know, my my unit is preparing to deploy. We're, we're going into the invasion originally he's like we're going to the invasion of afghanistan which has happened really really quick so that was kind of a shock for us all his unit ultimately ended up getting pushed off of afghanistan but was the primary effort for the invasion of iraq so we kind of lived that whole thing with him of you know ground invasion from kuwait all the way up and and as a young kid in high school and and i've always had this kind of history brain and have been very interested in it and I, you know, I started learning and discovering what different, you know, cultures are. And the one thing that I'll say, and I, I don't know if you guys feel like this at all, but where I grew up, I had an amazing childhood, but I will say is it probably wasn't the most cultured childhood. It wasn't a diverse childhood by any means. Um, but it was great, you know, and I have always looked and sought out things that are a little bit different. Um, and that's really, you know, part of the reason what spawned me to go in and say, hey, I want to go serve with him uh, and kind of go from there. So it's it's been almost every male of my family has served in the military at, at some point in time. My little brother followed me up um, at one point in time, all three of us uh, boys. My mom, you know, I'm one of uh, one of five siblings. So I had one other brother who's a, actually university of university professor up in Portland. He wasn't in the military, but all the boys served. Um, I met my wife deployed, which is another interesting story. Uh, my oldest brother met his wife deployed another interesting story. And, uh, and yeah, that's just kind of how it is. So it, it, I would say again, if that wasn't part of your everyday life and I don't really, really know what is, 
but it goes back to a lot of uh, the basic things that I learned in the military, the basic things that my old man and my grandpa taught me growing up. You know, you work hard, you wake up in the morning, make your bed, you go do your chores, you go to school, you get good grades, you treat people with respect and anything else you want to do after that, they'll let you do. And that's kind of where golf came around for me. It feels like it's 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 that simple to follow that sort of ethos, right? And I mean, if people could just live somewhat fundamentally close to that, things could be a lot better. And I hate to like generalize that because it's it's not like that. And it by any means it's not demeaning to that sort of, you know, culture and ethics of, of what the military is, but it just seems like and maybe it's because I had that small town sort of upbringing. I can relate to back roads and, you know, parents wondering if you, you know, ditched your car on the weekend driving around for sure who's in or whatever like that. But yeah, you're right about that. I got to So there's females involved in this equation here that you've met deployed. <laughs> Is this like the damsel in distress stuck in the second floor window or what's going on with that? I got, I got to know a little bit about that for our listeners. Yeah. I think my wife is probably the, one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life, if not the smartest person. And uh, very, very, very fortunate that she was in the military before I was. And I was very lucky in the path that I chose in the military kind of set me up for success and put me immediately into the world of special operations, which is different than, you know, these big military units that my brothers were a part of and, you know, big if you think of like D-Day invasions and everything else like that, but more specifically, if people have ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, I was in uh third range battalion. That's where I immediately went into post-training. This is a big um, deal. Let's pause for a sec. Cause this is kind of a big deal. This isn't like you don't just sign up and you know, you take your sandwich and your, your can of Coke and walk out the door and jump in the truck. Like this is, this is a big thing, right? Yeah, it is a really big thing. It takes a lot. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people attempt to do it. Not a lot of people uh, be successful on the other side. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny when you look back on it and say, you know, uh, ever I said it's an all volunteer force now for the United States military. But I just happened to volunteer like five different times to end up finally at the unit that I was at. And once you get through all the wickets of, you know, basic training to your your job training to airborne school. You got to volunteer to go to airborne school and jump out of perfectly good airplanes, which I thought was a blast yeah. until your knees finally start hurting a little bit. And you realize what the hell are we actually doing here, man? Like this, this can't be the right thing. <laughs> and then I volunteered and went to uh assessment selection for the 75th Ranger regiment and, and quickly found a, a group of guys that were everything. Uh, you know, the, the people that I was searching out this, I, I found my home. And it felt like um, outside of golf as a kid, I grew up wrestling and it felt like I was back in the wrestling room. I was, I was traveling to meets, you know, and you just have this, this group of guys that will literally uh, do everything for you. And, you know, instead of uh, wind sprints or running stairs or, or everybody wearing plastics, trying to cut weight on a Thursday night for that weekend's wrestling tournament. You know, you, you got a guy in a line, you're trying to run an ambush or something like that. And somebody's, somebody's ultimately messing up and the rest of the team is putting their hands on it and pulling them along saying, Hey man, we're not going to let you quit. And that's, that's quickly what it was. So, uh, made it through training deployed pretty quick. And, uh, we're very fortunate. We're, we're, we're spoiled in special operations. I'll say is that we get a lot of, of outside help. Um, 
and a lot of people from the rest of the military uh, attached or augmenting our forces and, and specifically when it comes down to like Intel support. So my, my wife actually was a Intel analyst uh, for us and uh, you know, feeding us good information, going back out there, collecting the information, guys going and hitting the targets and and coming back and keeping this circle going. And I don't know what it was. I, I, I guess I said something that she liked, but isn't there over a... time, over time you can, you can rub somebody down while we're breaking all the rules, by the way, I, I don't want to talk say, about, like, we're not talking about rules or general orders or anything like that. That is, a, that is a rule. Isn't there uh, something about, I broke it. Isn't there something about the company Inc and you're not supposed to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That applies in the you know, military as well, right? Yeah. Uh, well, 100%. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. You know, we, we met on a deployment. We ended up, uh, we got married a couple of years later and then we ultimately went on four other deployments together, like same time, uh, two of them being the same location. We actually shared rooms on both of them. And it's funny when you're deployed with the spouse, cause it's a very weird situation, right? Nobody else is going to find themselves in that situation. Um, and, uh, it's funny when you have to submit, uh, like paperwork, memos and, and requests and everything else like that for your billeting to be joint billeting with a female. And I remember at the time people absolutely freaking out because they're like, Cody should have to stay by himself or sleep with his team or with the squad or something like that, because it's in a, it's an advantage. He doesn't realize how hard it is just because his wife is here. That shouldn't be a, a luxury. I'm like, guys, this, this is not a luxury. Okay. Like I love her to death, but like, you think we're having like pillow talk every night, like, rainbows and puppy dogs. Over it, exactly. You know, it's one of the, like one of the most stressful situations you can possibly see. Oh, by the way, every night that I'm going out, my wife is sitting in a room that is monitoring and following the operations. And she knows that me is just one of those little green dots on that screen. So when things do go, go wrong, when shots are fired, when, you know, IEDs and bombs and counterattacks are done, you know, it's another layer of stress for her um, to live through as well. So we quickly realized after a couple of close calls that maybe it, it would be good to, to separate those times out a little bit. Yeah, that's her husband. That's not just a dot on the screen, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the future potentially. Yeah, exactly. That's the breeding well, I mean, part. Just think of the emotions of that, right? So it's like, it's funny when you think about how things happen, right? So you're in Northern Montana. I grew up in the Southern part of Minnesota where the same thing was wrestling. It's the only part of the state that doesn't skate. And I've always said since I was young that if you get into a fight with a wrestler, just walk away because the first couple of times you might get your best, but the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh time you're going to lose badly. And there is a mentality that goes with that. And while it was not the sport for me, there were people there that, you know, I think we had five state champions in the two grades that I was in. And there's just such this thought process of what it does to teammates, right? Like where we're from, and I've always said this, the same thing. It's like, imagine being the best at that sport and your reward is a free college education where you can't drink, you can't eat, you got to be 35 pounds below your normal weight. And the only thing you can do is get in trouble. Like, I just, I, I've never understood the dedication of what it would take to do that collegiately, especially if you're going to take a fifth year, right? So essentially, until you're 24 or 25 years old, you've never had Thanksgiving meals, you've never had any of this shit, right? And you know, at the college level, they're cutting so differently. So 
when I heard you kind of say that, I had a couple of questions that popped in from a selfish standpoint. Number one, did you want to get out of Northern Montana and find something on your own? So I know you went to Tempe. So you obviously did the opposite of what it is where you lived and lived a different lifestyle, right? And then number two, and I guess the one that I'm the most curious about is was that whole upbringing, and obviously you're from a military family, was all of that then instilled in everything else in your life as well? So like you like you said, I don't think a lot of people could be doing what you're doing in a relationship in that type of environment. Like, I think you have to be a pretty special person, have some pretty special trust in other people and know that you're not compromising or making something else worse, better, whatever it may be, right? So like for me, I think that there's so much of what it is you're done when you're raised and it's that old adage, if you want to change the world, be a parent. And I think that I, I can kind of see as, as Parksy's alluded to a little bit, I can kind of see that thread from start to finish for you and talk a little bit about you. I, I know that that's not necessarily something you like to do, but let's get into what you think about these things and some of these life situations that put you in a place that very few people could understand. Yeah, I, I'll answer your first one there about uh, Arizona and if I wanted to get out of northern Montana. And hell, yes, I do, man. You ever felt a cold Chinook wind about the middle of, you know, February, March, when you see snow melting everywhere else and you're like, what the hell are we doing here, man? The snow's not even here. It's just like just straight ice everywhere. Um, I wanted to be a snowbird. You know, I grew up, everybody around me, my uh, very, very lucky that, you know, uh, that my family made the decisions that they did. My grandma and grandpa for a long time were just like, I think, you know, the, the, all these beautiful Southern destinations, they kind of have like funnels, you know, I'm sure like Western Canada, all the, everybody ends up down in Palm Springs, stuff like yep. that. I know like, you know, everybody from Eastern Canada, the Eastern United States, all first, except for Ohio, Ohio ends up in like South Carolina, but everybody else migrates down to Florida. Well, you know, Montana straight on down. And I know uh, I played with a ton of people from Alberta uh, down in Surprise, Arizona, too. So some beautiful retirement communities that I'm literally to this day. When I first met my wife, I said, she goes, what do you want to do uh, with the rest of your life? Because she thought it was just one enlistment at a time. I said, I'm going to go back, try to get a job in golf and, and move back to Surprise, Arizona and just count the days till I'm 55 years old and I can move into that retirement community and get a golf cart. Because that's still to this day all I want to do. It's like a countdown to 55. Like they, they live the best lives. They have two thirty root beer floats socials. I can get 18 holes in, in the morning and still make it in time for like early, you know, early bird dinner uh, and call it a day. So that's like peak what I want my life born to be an old man. I think for sure. <laughs> um, but no, you know, I, so they had a house down there and, and I was lucky that through, you know, high school for, you know, winter break and stuff like that. And then before golf, we have a spring golf season back home. Uh, I would go down and spend like spring break with them. And, and I think I was getting ahead on my golf game, but I really wasn't getting ahead on my golf game. I was probably just sneaking too many, uh, you know, drinks of drinks of brandy or, you know, Bud Lights or something like that with my grandpa and, and doing bad things with him because he was <laughs> the best influence that I ever had in my life. Um, which ties into everything else and kind of how, Cow, I live it. I was raised to, you know, never lie, never cheat, never steal. Uh, and if you're going to do one of them, it might as well be worth it and never do all three at the exact same time. And I think that uh, that played out into the rest of my life. I it, it's it's hard. I've been in some situations that I feel like I 
had like the world's best training in order to make it out of like in not just in combat zones, but like weird situations in college. Um, and that's because I grew up with like, you know, brothers and I have a, I have one sister in there who was the oldest. He used to beat the crap out of us and, you know, teach us what's right and wrong. But I think how my mom and dad like raised us and the values that they instilled in us, uh, we're not crazy regimented, but like there was a very clear line of like what is right and what is wrong. And that's hard to describe because my mom and dad, they're going to listen to this too. Cause they listen to everything now that, that I'm on. Um, like I'm the same kid that like, you know, drove like a, a 79 Chevy truck, uh, all through high school. Cause it was our old farm truck. And like on most weekends, like if they went and checked my truck on Saturday morning, there'd probably be like, you know, an empty, like 12 pack of Coors Light or Molson's or Labatt or something like that. Like doing all sorts of dumb, dumb things that I look back on now. I'm like, what are you doing? How did you get away with that? Right. Exactly. And and so like now as a, as a parent and I still, I got young kids, but I think about that and I'm like, oh man, like I, they're never going to be like me. So (laughs) I know that they're going to be way, way better than I have set up for a bunch more success, but it's funny looking back on it. But, you know, uh, my mom was probably has, has the biggest heart and is the most understanding person um, outside of like shoot, move and communicate. What I did every day as a, a ranger and then moving on to the other units that I served at in, in the special operations community, my full time job was as an interrogator. And that's probably weird for people to understand. They might think of, uh, you know, I don't, things that they've seen on like Bourne movies or or something else like that. But it truly is the the ultimate game of chess against um, some of the worst people in the world. I was fortunate enough to be at units where I was also on the capture force, so I was out on target capturing these guys, bringing them back to a holding facility, and then trying to get the most amount of information out of them possible um cody is it like zero dark 30 i've been waiting for this. <laughs> I, I, uh, it, I watch a lot very, of these movies yeah yeah is, that's is, uh, is it's, it's highly a little bit i mean it's highly dramatized but those movies do a good job to be hollywood movies um they have to be there's funny. things yeah there's there's rules there's policies that have changed uh over time for the better because ultimately like when I say interrogators, and, and when I introduce myself, sometimes they say, "What did you do in the military?" I'd say, oh, "I was an interrogator." Media, people automatically think that I'm out like torturing people, waterboarding, like you name fingernails, it. Not fingernails, yeah, come to mind. Like honestly, that's not the case because my my number one goal here is to get the most amount of information out of you as possible, and it's like scientifically proven when torture is applied, it's like the brain just wants it to stop. So their natural inclination is to go to say whatever it is. And most of the time it's a lie just to talk, just to get, get it to stop. Um, my mom always taught me, Hey Cody, no matter whatever you do, you always catch a lot more with honey than you do vinegar, man. That's right. And the more you can butter up, uh, the better off you'll be. And that's just kind of how I, I live my life. And, you know, I probably have, I don't know, over 10,000 hours of interrogations of, of the highest level detainees, you know, people that have been brought back to the United States and prosecuted to, uh, you know, missions that we captured the information and and ended up getting follow on targets to kill like leaders of, 
you know, whatever, ISIS, Taliban, Al Qaeda, you name it. I've been been there and have the uh, the opportunity to be a part of a lot of really, really cool things. Uh, but a lot of it is is just basics, man. Hard work, treat people with respect, and it'll take you a long way. Does it worry you at all that any of this is going to maybe come back to American soil and 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 get at you on a golf course one day or no, no. nothing like that? Okay, that's, no. that's more of the drama, the Hollywood drama. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, America is one of the most secure places uh, that you can possibly be. Same thing with Canada. Uh, you know, I did a lot of training. People don't realize this, and and you say military and in Canada, people forget about uh your guys is military but i did a ton of training with your canadian special operations forces i've been up there a lot they've deployed with me i've deployed with them uh it's an incredible brotherhood that goes back and forth and um you know we uh, i i think people need to when you think that i think people need to take a step back and realize truly how special uh we have it that we have I'm going to boil it down to like the, the pure basics that we have, no matter who you are, unless you're like truly that far off, you, majority of people have the opportunity to sleep with a roof over their head. They're provided running water and most of them are provided food. Um, and to the vast majority of the world, that is not the case. And I've seen it and I've, I've lived it alongside some of our foreign partners and it truly, truly sucks. Um, but security wise back home, I mean, people are paid so much money to make sure that our borders and everything that are, are safe that like, uh, one might get through every once in a while, but like eventually like nobody, nobody can last that long. Man, I, I would have to say that there's a lot of Canadians that don't like the U S border agents because a lot of the time it's a pain in the ass just to even cross down South into warmer places to play golf, which sucks. I don't like them either. Okay. That's not on me. Yeah. All right. They, they, you guys also won't let me in because I have an Israeli passport stamp. So uh, we can, we can go both ways on that. Yeah, I guess so. It's a two way street for sure. <laughs> so we're back from the military now. We're, we're congratulations because you're not, you're not only a father once, twice, but I think three times, correct? Yeah. Three times. Yeah, That's I a pretty big accomplishment. You know, when you roll, uh, when you roll two out of the gate, it, your odds for, uh, for numbers are pretty good. So we were blessed with twins right away. Uh, they're five years old now. One of them just lost their first tooth yesterday, which I say lost. I pulled it out, which was awesome because I love doing dad stuff like that. And then we followed it up with another girl. So three girls all under five. It's, it's madness in my household. That's that's amazing. That that means hopefully a lot of time dad's going to get to go play golf and the girls can go do girl <laughs> stuff. Or is there going to be a lot of girls on the golf course here? Does the wife yeah, golf too? No, she doesn't. She she which is probably a good thing for me. Uh she definitely supports everything that I do. She'll she has to watch so, so much golf as it is on the weekends. Uh that's also part of the job is that you got to watch a ton of golf. Um, but she has like no interest at all in, in trying to learn to play. Um, but wants to go all to all the beautiful places that we get to go yeah. to all the time. But I think the girls, uh, two of them are definitely interested. They're like, you know, we have balls in the backyard. They go to the golf course and they'll put around with me. One of them is like, wants nothing to do with it. And she is like, just straight, like a ball of muscle already into gymnastics and like does more pull-ups than like I could ever do when I was in peak shape. So I'm like, okay, you keep you keep doing you be the cross be okay. yeah for sure that's awesome and now let's talk about uh the 
the introduction to no laying up and how that partnership came to be, because it was a bit of a unique scenario for you. Yeah. You know, I, I am one of those guys that I've always been searching for. Uh, I think people that, that think the same way that I do or interested in the same way that I, you know, things that I am. And, and that's kind of what I described about the military too. But, you know, I, I'm, I am completely okay being extremely outside of my comfort zone. Like my comfort zone is, is the world. Like I've, I've done uh, a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of things that like truly scare me. So if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm searching for people when I got back into golf that are very interested in good golf courses and golf course architecture and trying to play, you know, I wouldn't want to say like competitive golf, but like, you know, where it matters a little bit. I've never been a part of the crowd that like a round of golf for me includes like drinking as many beers as I possibly can every time. Like I have those rounds, but that's just not for me. And quickly because of like social media, you can find people out there that are think the same way that you do. I think, you know, there's a lot of negatives in social media, but there's a ton of positives too. You just have to realize like what neighborhood do you want to like build your house in? And uh, if like it becomes too much, you probably built it in the wrong neighborhood. So that's kind of how I look at Twitter, Instagram, anything else that comes along. But I, uh, I've been a long time like putter collector and I quickly uh, found a group of, of guys who were following this new young putter designer named Tyson Lamb. And he was making some incredible craftsman um, putters. And, and I was a long time Scotty guy and then listened and started following what Tyson was doing. And then randomly one day um, they said, Hey, we're going to take a group. We're going to wait and see uh, how many people sign up. And this is like 2017, like how many people sign up and we're going to go down to stream song. And I'm like, cool. I've never been to stream song. Always wanted to go there. I'm going to go with people who are like super into these putters. I don't have one of them, but you never know. And I might get the opportunity to talk to this Tyson guy and figure out what's going on. And that's what I did. I just, sent him a DM and said, Hey, this is who I am kind of interested in. They said, perfect. Call the resort, put your security deposit down and go. Went down, had a phenomenal weekend, met people that I'm still very, very, very close with. And then slowly, you know, I'm not really short on words. And my full-time job at the time was trying to figure out how to manipulate people. So you network pretty quick. And it just so happened that there was a guy there who was also in the golf industry and was making really cool stuff. And it, it happened to be ferals and irons at the time. And his name's Patrick Boyd and me and Patrick hit it off right away. And I was like one of my uh, like dream golfers, like through college and everything. I, I was in college when like the Ryan Moore era was going on and he was such a stud man. He's like the ultimate ball striker and had a unique swing. And then next thing you know, like he's wearing these ridiculous outfits of like, full like 1920 suits on the golf course and you're like what is this guy doing uh it just seemed like weird but when ryan and and patrick started scratch golf if people remember that he was uh, business partners with ryan and they were make making custom clubs and then that went away and then national customs which patrick does now with a, a group of partners uh came around and patrick introduced me to another guy that I was, you know, followed his career and and knew him from junior golf and everything. And his name's Zach Blair. And quickly Zach said, Hey, I run a tournament every year called the ringer. You want to come down? And at the time, you know, I was, I was managing all this stuff. My, my circle kind of runs like 
you know, you're home for three months, you're in a two month training cycle, and then you're deployed for like six months, and then you come back and do it all again. So this is all fitting in that home time. And I go to the ringer and, and at the time, I think I had first listened to, uh, I didn't even find the no laying up podcast, I found their their second podcast trap draw that that TC and big do. And uh, I ended up listening to that while deployed and go to the ringer and I'm grouped with TC and and we just kind of hit it off. And it's kind of been going on ever since. So did that, did Tour of Sauce Carolinas. I hosted them in Southern Pines, Pinehurst. Um, and then the next year was was COVID year. I was stuck deployed still on my last deployment in Afghanistan um, as they went off to Oregon. And then getting towards the end of that year, I'd continue to talk to them and everything. They asked me, you know, hey, how long are you going to do this? What time do you have left? And what are you going to do afterwards? And I said, well, honestly, I was kind of offered to get out of jail free card. I can do whatever I want as long as there's some sort of trans like transition plan in it. Like the, the military will give me some time back. And they said, well, if you ever, you know, if you ever want to come back to the golf industry, you can come work for us. And I said, well, I don't even know how you guys make money. So you got to tell me that first. Cause I got to convince the wife and, and we've been going ever since. So we're, we're closing in on the, uh, one more week and then it'll be my, the closure of my second full year going into my third year and, and just kind of continuing to build and grow from there. How many Tyson lamb putters do you have now? I'm curious. I got three, only, uh, only three, which, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got three. Um, and you know, the weird thing is, is that I never like would have dreamed of, of owning any of them. I was one of them, uh, very lucky enough to be pulled in a lottery one time and, and paid my money like everybody else. Cause I won one of the raffles and then have been lucky enough to go on, uh, a couple other events with them where he, they've had putters as like door prizes. So one, one for a putting competition, another one for like low gross or something like that. So the custom, it's, uh, this, this custom putter world, this it's not putter game is insane. I have, and we're very fortunate because Peretti is a sponsor of ours and Mike Johnson, the founder has been really generous and I am looking at a couple of putters, but some of these things, and I won't even take one of them out to, to play with because it's like <laughs> retails for like 4k us. Some of the prices on these things are just like insane. You think Scotty's are adjustable yeah. man. Yeah, custom this, putters this. are crazy. The secondary market does crazy things. And I, I thought about, you know, I was going to follow your lead there and too. And like, I think that I'd never play with it. And then I quickly realized like, what's the point of having this? Like I quickly made it my gamer. I have, you know, one that's completely custom to me. It says fire and forget on the bumpers, which I was like, you know, Tyson asked me, what do you want me to stamp it with? I was like, well, I don't know, man, like don't make it too obnoxiously military, but I think fire and forget's pretty good. And he's yeah. like, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, puttered with it the whole time until, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're under Callaway at no laying up and it didn't take long until there's too many, too many putter, you know, non, non odyssey putters and some milling up videos that they're like, Hey, you got to figure this out. You got, you got to figure out an odyssey putter to put in there. So. Well, one of, one of my closest friends in the world is Luke Williams, who's number two behind Sean at, at odyssey. And it is hilarious because 
even when I do, and I spend probably more time with Luke than anybody else in the industry, other than the people that I work with. And obviously, as we've known the staff, being a master staff Callaway, we're no longer sponsored by the other company because I wouldn't shut up about what I love. <laughs> and that's on me. So I'm still trying. But it is funny because like, um, I we going back to Big Loud, uh, when when Luke was here, we Luke went and Paul, we went and saw Morgan Wallen and Hardy, who's a good close friend of all of ours and on the show and obviously does a lot with the stuff in Pinehurst as well. But those guys all showed up with things that are not Odyssey, right? And Luke just has this innate ability that they just show up on the door. Somehow in golf, he coerces all of the specs <laughs> or he knows who to call. They get built and they get shipped and I don't even know about it. And then I get all these thank you notes. I'm like I had nothing to do with it. I mean, this is just the way Luke and Sean run their business. And obviously with no laying up being under the Callaway umbrella, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm fortunate enough to know a lot about because I'm also kind of under that. So, you know, in a couple of weeks we go get to have the big reveal here in LA and it's interesting because the world's changing, but as you were talking earlier about kind of through that networking, Parksy and I obviously coming together from the La Quinta desert, it's the same thing, right? Like you just get these channels and every single person that I was in P when, when we first got to the desert, either worked at PJ West or the rusty Pelican. And like, that was it. Like those are the only two places everybody knew and it all kind of steered out of that. Right. And it's so odd because now through connections of golf and I love what you said about being uncomfortable because that's always the best way to do things. And when you're truly outside of your comfort zone, your senses are so heightened and you learn more and you do more, right? And you're not afraid to make conversation. And it's kind of like that first month in college where you're just trying to figure out who your people are. And then by right. the time you, by the time you graduate, they're no longer your people and you move on to a completely different group. But it is kind of fun for us because in the podcast world, I'm allowed as a golf professional and a PJ professional, I can say whatever I want on this and it doesn't reflect, obviously, unless I use the club's name. And it's it's refreshing for me because we have all of these things that we're trying to do to change this game, take the stuffiness out of it, take all of the the, the things that are inaccessible to the rest of the world. And we all know Tiger's done that well, right? So you take last week and you guys talk about it. Like, nobody cares VJ won. Like, nobody cares at all. I mean, nobody cares. <laughs> they care. That's they about care, it. Right? <laughs> but it's like the whole story's there. And, you know, Cass and all these guys. And we told the story last time with Shane when I was at Tory And Cass was real young and sitting on the thing. And the ball wouldn't fade after like 78. And they had to start back at one and recount to 100 because VJ couldn't leave. And it's like, you think of all these stories, but we all know what's coming, right? It's, it's the tiger Charlie show. And then Charlie shows up in that little presser and kind of roasts his dad for a yep. quick one said, I've never seen him play this well. And I just think that that's the way the game's training to see that tournament become what it is, or to think about all of the things. Like I, I I'm obviously a, a big fan of Congaree being an ambassador and what they're doing at that foundation. And you mentioned Zach and all of these guys are moving into this world where the golf is becoming accessible, but they're doing it at a higher level than it's ever been done. And I think no laying up is a representation of that, right? You guys are doing certain things at a level that other people don't do, but you didn't lose the roots of that. And can you just talk a little bit about that amongst the core group, you guys, how important it is to stay true to what that first direction is? Yeah, I mean, I think that is 100% what we strive to do every single day. We don't make content just to make content. We don't make products just to, to put ads on because it's sold. We truly, there's not a thing that goes out that we don't have a stamp that's going to either inform or entertain uh, behind it. And it's funny because like we have a mission statement and we, everything that we do gets racked up against our mission statement and each vertical of the business, whether it's podcasts, which we have a lot of in our network or video or our membership or our merchandise, 
everything goes back to are we informing and are we entertaining because we look at golf the same way that we're talking right now we want to interact with people who look at golf the same way that we do there's a time and place for everything else that you see on you know major professional events but that's just kind of not how we do it and i think it's uh it's refreshing uh it's enlightening and and the good thing about it is that for a long time you know i came to no laying up as a fan uh, from the outsider looking in and being part of seeing how this whole thing is made now. Um, it's like, it, it, there's not a day go by that, that I don't remind myself to like truly how special of a position I find myself in. And we, I think we truly have an offering for everybody, whether you're an Uber ser serious amateur or professional or want to follow, you know, bets or anything else on the professional women's or men's game to, you know, buddy trips and, you know, people shooting the shit about like global topics and world events or, you know, my podcast, I focus a lot on, on my people. And I view that as veterans, as the adaptive golf space and like things that where I go, like, these are all my friends, like all my buddies that I play golf with now, most of them, like there's something matter with them either because of like how they're naturally born with it or because of like military or something else in life. And I said, you know, when I first came to No Laying Up, I asked, I said, hey, this is kind of how I see the world. Can I, can we figure out how this is going to work? And they're like, 100%, man, like, let's figure it out. Let's go. And it's it's just crazy to see, not only work for a company that gives you the thumbs up to do that stuff, but like, we'll push you and empower you and say, hey, I think you can do more here, man. Like, let's let's open this up and figure out where you can take it to. I hate to fangirl over no laying up, but there's not a lot of disingenuous product or concepts or ideas or thought processes that you guys put out in the universe, which is fantastic because like you said, that's the world that we all live in. Not a lot of us live in the golf channel world of golf and you know, yep. fly private and have exclusive access to Michael Jordan's golf club and that kind of shit. <laughs> you, we live in the real side of the world where we play in shitty weather and travel and lose golf clubs and you guys kind of have that unique sort of narrative on what what it's really like you mentioned it you kind of have this weird opportunity and platform to share some stories of what really resonates with you and where you come from but my question is how important is using this opportunity to give back it's the most important thing uh you know, there's been, there's been dollars. Like you guys understand running the podcast here, money that comes in for, you know, ad reads or whatever else that goes, uh, would go to like probably paying for new equipment or, you know, more contract trips or something like that. And the majority, the vast majority of money that's come in specifically from downrange has completely like turned around and gone to us sponsoring adaptive athletes, sponsoring adaptive events, or, you know, back into like our young hitter program where we sponsor up and coming professional golfers on the men's and women's side. Um, so it's like this big circle that, you know, Hey, if you put it out there, you, you, it's going to come back around. If you do the right thing, you don't lie, cheat or steal things come back around. And like, at the end of the day, I always think back to my old man, him sitting there chewing my ass about something probably because I messed up really bad. And just think, okay, what well, what would he say now? Um, and, and like, it, it, I will never, ever, ever um, forget. And like these communities that I feel I'm a part of, like they will never become on the back burner because of any growth or anything else like that. Because that's truly like 
where my my heart of heart that's that's where it's at um and i can say that too like our biggest content offering every single year is tourist sauce it's an incredible video series i understand i'm biased saying that but our final the finale of this season comes out on wednesday i don't know when you guys are going to publish this but go check it out on our youtube page but of all the places that we've gone to so far um when when tc came at the beginning of this year and said i think i think we should do scandinavia what what are you talking about why why what we're gonna go to sweden and norway and and do what like why are we not going to any other golf resort that you know there's plenty of places that we haven't gone yet we've always had western canada on the list it's still on the list for all these people out here eventually we're going to get there um you know we we still owe like New Zealand can be its own series. There's still a ton of stuff domestically that we can do. How are we going to make this work to something that like, when I think of golf and destination golf in Europe, I, the last place I'm going to think of is Sweden. And like, you know, after hearing him describe it and everything and then going and living and experiencing it, now the videos are coming out and, and people can go watch them and just like getting the feedback from them and realizing like so many people are like, wow, I would have never, ever, ever thought of like traveling to these places in the world and going and playing like amazing golf and you can truly do it. Access is like almost open to everybody. And it's like very, very, very affordable, like bucket list trips. Um, and that's what I love like the most about the job is because every single day there's something new. Let's touch. Well, and I'm sorry, because parks, you like you and I were talking about earlier, like, we all know I'm the, the guy that loves to scream and yell and I just can't stand bullshit. And I'm, <laughs> there's just so many of these things out there, especially podcasts. And one of the great things about this is golf is secondary, right? While it gets us together in the room, it's really not what we talk about most of the time, unless it's a tour recap. But I do notice like there's these people who say you should be able to, you know, go to all of these things in the world and you can wear shorts and t-shirts and bring your dogs. You can put your shoes on in the parking lot. And then the next picture, they're playing one of the top twenties that nobody can get behind the gates that I promise none <laughs> of that happened. And, you know, they just lay on all of this stuff and it's cool to be Brandle now and to completely rip people and take the contrarian, you know, obviously Stephen A. Smith and some of the talking heads down here made it very famous. But I think one of the things that I love the most about NLU is you guys don't ever get out of your space right? You all stay within your lane. And I think that there's something so refreshing about that, that when you guys do something, somebody's either an expert in it, somebody's experienced it, or when you talk about it, you talk about it kind of in the ways, as Parksy was just talking about as a fan person, right? You're kind of promoting not only what you're doing, but you're promoting the game and the experiences and all those things that accompany having the podcast forum that you do, I got to think it's rewarding. And again, we're just two schmucks that used to play golf together and kind of do this because we love to talk about this shit. But for you guys, knowing that it's not only a career, but it's an absolute path. How rewarding is it knowing that you're getting to a lot of these people? Hence now, all these people are going to come and say, hey, I met I met the guys from No Laying Up at this tournament. Now they're doing the same thing inspired by other things that has nothing to do with the way the golf traditions or the old game was played. That's got to be pretty rewarding. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I loved it when I was the new guy on the squad and uh, we would go on like our first couple trips that I was on and people would come up and this this like only happens at, at golf resorts, by the way. This isn't like random places or anything, but you know how it is. Like when you have uber passionate golfers 
and you're just at golf destinations, like eventually somebody's going to recognize some of them. For so for a long time, I was the the photographer. Uh, hey, can you hold this? Take my picture. I was like, absolutely, I will, and took a ton of pictures. And I always like again, like I I realized how fortunate I I was just to be there in the first place. Like going to places that like I would have never dreamt of like being able to pay to go to uh, and check out and like be able to play golf at and film and like do it with like a group of friends. Like it's, it's truly incredible. Um, now there is some, uh, <laughs> we on trap trial, we talk a lot of about airlines. So you're either gonna, people only recognize us at golf courses or they recognize us usually at airports. And that's just because we ride so hard on what airline, uh, that we just naturally end up supporting and we're all different. Um, but the first time that, that it was just me and my wife and somebody from like, you know, three gates down is yelling, Sarge, Sarge, Cody, hey, hey, and like runs up and asks my wife to take the picture, kind of an awkward moment. Uh, I, I, I still can't let that one, like she will not let it down because she makes fun of me about it all the time. Uh, but it's, it's incredible, man. Like we have such an amazing fan base. We have such an amazing uh listeners and and i hope they realize and we make like a very conscious effort to like be true to who we are to we're not you know case in point like the thing about like talk about live like we're kind of split in our own opinions on live and and it's you know a lot of uh the guys have stayed the same and others have kind of changed a little bit over time and and we'll see where it like all shakes out to i'll, I'll tell you a quick story even though we're running up on time but uh, one of the first podcasts that I did uh, when I joined was uh, about Saudi Arabia and it was a trap draw deep dive on this documentary um, uh, about the Khashoggi killing. And the reason why, you know, you talked about, we only have people on who are experts who are truly passionate about it is that, you know, I spent eight months in Saudi Arabia. I was there on behalf of the United States of America working on behalf of, of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There's things that I did for their government that like now looking back on it, like I have a unique opinion to give you firsthand events of things that I saw, things that I witnessed and things that I, you know, knew were developing. Uh, but again, I also like have those own personal experiences that I can say that's like not really like the golf that I like watching on TV. And I, I have my own facts that I can draw on to say, I know exactly what playbook they're running and it's not at all what you think it is, which I think differs a lot from just people who will say, Oh, that's sports washing. They'd want to improve their image or, you know, doing all this other stuff. And it, it's horrible. I can see through a lot of that stuff just based off of, again, my own life experiences um, and knowing a little bit of what they view as successes or failures or anything else like that. So Again, try to stay true to, to who we are. Don't sugarcoat it and definitely don't bullshit because eventually like everybody gets found out. Well, and there's perspective there, right? So like yep. you're talking from a different angle and you're not out trying to prove to somebody you're going to become a 10 handicap because nobody gives a shit after the third video. Of like course. nobody cares. You know, it's just not, it's not my thing. Like people want to be entertained and the more we do this, the less we talk. And, you know, and I think that it's so great to have people on like you who can have the forum, but more importantly, not only have the voice and the knowledge, but have that perspective of what it's like to truly, as you said, move people's needles in a way that's not always been traditional. And I, I think some people have to really try for that. And I think some people don't. And 
we're going to have those people on, on our podcast that don't have to. And I think we lean yeah. that way. And, you know, it's why we have a very certain, very small group of friends of the show and they've been very loyal to us. But I also know that as we expand, I, I know what people talk about, right. And they talk yep. about it and I live in the business, man. I'm, I'm the head sweater folder. So I get it. And <laughs> I know these guys understand that point, but it's like, eventually people want access and people want fun and music is welcomed. And, you know, like the big thing now is I've got my biggest pairing is who listens to music, who doesn't. Right. right. Or <laughs> like it used to be who walks and who rides. And now it's yeah. like, groups get pissed off and it's funny we're down to about 10 percent that don't listen to music now and yeah you know and like i said everybody knows in our world i will i love shorts i hate pants and i get to wear shorts at my club if i desire when i play and practice and i think that you guys are moving that needle to the way where i'm not going to call it funification but i sure think that it's definitely getting better and i think while some voices like everything else you know get so polarizing and get one side to the other you guys have done a great job with perspective, kind of walk in the middle and, and bringing people to your side just through kind of experience. And as you said, who has a better angle on Saudi Arabia and the live talk? You were some of the suits, right? So it's right. like, that's, that's what this shit's about. So congrats to you. And, and it's a job well done. We're very appreciative. You took the time tonight, but I just love the honesty and the shit you're talking about, because I think not only have you changed lives in ways people will never understand, you're now doing it in a way where you get to laugh at yourself too. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than that. No, I, I completely agree. And I think the last thing about like supporters and everything else like that is that we, uh, you know, we have a pretty big following and that's something that we think of a lot and it's not a following, it's a community. And it doesn't matter what platform you send us a message on, whether it's any of our emails, any of the DMs on Instagram or Twitter or personal or anything else like that, I guarantee you, you're going to get something back. And there's not a lot of companies uh, that are in the space that are out there that that truly, you know, put a conscious effort into continuing to grow. Uh, and we're going to grow with our community. We're, we're a part of them. We're nothing special. We're just, you know, the guys did a, an awesome job building this a long time ago. And I'm just happy to be, you know, a part of the ride just with everyone else. Not just a guy that takes the photographs, Cody. It's <laughs> been an excellent conversation with you. So welcome you back on any time but thanks so much for sharing some time with us tonight and giving us a little insight into your world and, and some of those stories it's it's been fun all the continued success in 2023 for you guys hoping that we're going to cross paths somewhere on a golf course downrange would be a lot of fun appreciate you dig it thanks guys you bet have a good night when you're in la call always welcome for sure